Yes. Um, I won't say too much because I know I'm very, very biased, but um, I'm very proud of Dean and I can honestly tell you that we've lived with Dean for a very long time. Not anymore, not anymore. But <laughs> and he uh, lives what he preaches. And I say that in all honesty, not just because he's my son, but he lives what he preaches. And so I know today that you're going to get a powerful word from him and be very blessed. So let's welcome Dean. I love you, Mum. If you, if you want to get a good word spoken about yourself, get your mum to introduce your preaching. There's one person who will never say anything bad about you, and that's your mum. For all the married men in the room, one thing I learned when I got married, and you'll, you'll learn this quickly, is that the Lord often speaks through your wife. So a lot of conviction will come through your wife, which is good, Dave, hey? <laughs> the word of the Lord, no, no, no. <laughs> um, hey, Todd, so Todd Smith, um, it's through Immerse Australia, and, um, and they're just seeing incredible miracles. He, he had the Lord speak to him. Um, he's a part of the North, uh, so he's from North Georgia, uh, the North Georgian revival that's been happening there for the last five years. And um, he had the Lord speak to him and say, um, I'm going to heal people in the water. And so uh, we just want to um, make it really clear for people that it, it went on this event... It, there will be mass baptisms, but it's not a baptism of repentance. He's just heard God say that I'm going to heal people in the water. And so it's just, it's a prophetic act of him. Uh, so everyone, you can come and you can get baptized. You're not getting re-baptized as a baptism of repentance. It's just a prophetic act. Amen. It's a faith act that as you go in the water, you're going to encounter God. And so we encourage people to come along, register for that. They've just seen, you can look him up and his ministry online, they've just been seeing God touch so many people. They've just been seeing incredible miracles. And, and I, I just think that's exciting. Is that not good? Like when God touches people's lives, come on. That's awesome. Um, if you've got your Bible, turn to Luke 10. Turn to Luke 10. We're going to get into the Word today. Who loves the Word of God? Good, I do. I wouldn't know God without His Word. So I'm very thankful that we have the Word of God. <laughs> that we have the Bible. Amen. Um, I want to talk on authority today. Uh, I, I shared on this a few weeks ago and I thought, um, man, God, God's a God of authority. Did you know that? Like, like when we, we often, lots of people have different ideas about what authority is. I work with a lot of young guys and they don't like authority. A lot of people rebel against authority, right? People don't like authority figures, some people. And uh, it often comes from a lot of wounds, a lot of hurts, a lot of pain uh, that we experience as, can experience as young kids. And so uh, we can often get confused when we talk about the authority of God. But let me tell you right now, and this is, this is Dean getting serious, right? Let me tell you right now, you need the authority of God in your life. A lot of people know Jesus as a friend. A lot of people know Jesus, know God as a good person, as morals and values, as God's going to help me in life. But we need to know God as the God who comes in his authority and power and touches our lives. Come on. 
I mean, can I just wake people up this morning to the God of the Bible, right? Can I wake people up to the reality of who God is, whose you are, whom you serve, who, who, you're the king's kid, come on. I mean, we need to learn about authority and, I mean, that's as good as intro as you're going to get from me. <laughs> Go on. Luke ten seventeen. So Jesus has sent out the 72 and these, this is a, this is big. You know, God could have put a lot of things in the Bible. Did you know that? Like, like the Apostle John said at the end of the book of John that there was so much that Jesus did that there wouldn't be a library, there wouldn't be books enough to contain it. So there is so much that God put, could have put in the Bible. So when you read the Word, you've got to be like, man, why has God put this in there? What is the importance of this, right? And in Luke 10, he sends out his disciples and he sends out 70 and, and he, he says, I want you to go into these different towns. And as you go into these towns, I want you to preach the kingdom. Because who knows that when you come into the kingdom of God, you're a part of the kingdom and you come under God's lordship and you enter into his majesty. And when you're under his authority, his authority begins to flow through you. Come on, we're, we're, a part of, we're a part of a kingdom. So that means you enter into the king's authority. All right. Okay. Do I need to tell a few jokes to warm people up? Oh. All right. So he says in Luke 10, 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy. Like some people, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Come on, that's a good, yep. Yeah. There we go. So we've got 30% of the room smiling, right? Yes, I'm really joyful, yeah, but you don't smile during the week. You don't laugh. Like, come on. Ah. All right. Yeah, I'm getting in. I'm getting under those walls. You know, I'm good at that. Did you know that I'm good at getting under people's walls and getting in and, you know, warming people up a bit? You need to have some fun. Uh. The 72 returned with joy. And said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So, so do you know there's, 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 there's demons in the world? Like, I know there's probably people in the room who know that, but there's, there's demons in the world that God's given you authority so that they'll submit to you. I'll just be really clear on that. That's the word of God. Like, if you're, if you're a Christian and you believe the word, then that's true. There is a whole spirit realm that God has given you authority in and we need to learn as believers to walk in his authority. And the biggest lie of the devil in Western Christianity is, that, is to confuse people into thinking that there is nothing demonic, nothing happening in the world, everything is natural. Come on. We need to have eyes that see and ears that hear. Is that good? He replied, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Has anyone ever seen lightning before? All right. Oh, man. So this is, so, so I'm just, I'm just going to do this to warm people up because has anyone ever seen lightning before? All right. Yeah, good, good. So when I ask a question and like 10 people in the room answer, have I seen, it's like, have you breathed before? And someone's like, man. Good, you're with me. All right, you're with me. I feel loved. It's important for me to feel loved because then I feel very secure and then I preach better. If I don't feel loved, I'm very insecure. 
I'm joking, just so you know. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Right, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. How did Satan fall like lightning from heaven? The disciples went in and they preached the kingdom and they laid hands on people and prayed for them and it did something in the heavenlies that Satan fell like lightning. So Satan, and, and this, this, I'm just going to say this lovingly, Satan didn't fall like lightning from a prayer meeting. He didn't fall like lightning from heaven from sitting in your home. He fell like lightning from heaven because the disciples went in and lived out what Jesus told them to live out. Come on. And all my evangelists in the room got up and went, Woo! Yes! Ah. There we go. I've given you, right? I've given you. That's really, you know it's important to know what God has given you in life. That is really important to know what God has given you. Most believers don't understand their inheritance, Right? Our inheritance in Christ is really important to understand. It, 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 like, I have given you, right? Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, right? Snakes and scorpions is not literal, that's figurative, okay? Most people, our prayer life can be, God, please give me authority, please give me power so I can do this in life. Give me strength. Help me, Lord. That's a lot of people's prayer life. And God, in his word, has said, I have given you. So there is... I've got I to say this. I get passionate and then I say it the wrong way. God has already given you everything you need in life. And you need to stop praying for things that you've already been given. And the problem is, is the mindset you carry that you're praying for things that God has already given you. And instead of doing that, the prayer should be, Lord, teach me to wield what you've already given me. Lord, teach me to walk in what you already had. Because who knows that we are saved by grace through faith, right? So grace has provided everything you need for salvation. And faith enters you into that, right? In other words, who saves who? What does what? What's God's part? What's my part? God's part is he's a good father. He's provided everything I need in life. We live from the finished work of the cross and faith enters in to what God has already provide, had provided and learns to use it and learns to walk in it and open the gift. Because who knows it's a gift, right? So you don't get authority and power from praying in your prayer room for 10 hours. Because it's not earned, right? And all the Pentecostals were like, man, you just ruined my prayer life. <laughs> but you don't. You don't get authority and power and you don't get ability from God from how much you do. You get it because you're his child. It's all a gift given by grace and praying and spending time with the Lord is actually now, God, I'm communing with you and you're teaching me how to walk in what, I've already, in what you've already given me. Come on. So don't hear, I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't pray in tongues. I'm not saying don't fast and do all that stuff. All I'm saying is do it in the right mindset. Do it from a place of grace rather than a place of works. Come on. You know, Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesians 1, imagine if you had a prayer like if you said to me, Dean, 
pray. I want you to write down a prayer for people that's really going to help them in about in about a thousand and nine hundred and fifty years time, right? And I reckon most of our prayer, like most prayers, would be God, pour out your spirit. God, won't you just touch people's lives? And and we've all prayed this, so this is not like God. Won't you do this? Won't you come in revival? Won't you come and do this? Come on, Lord. And all of, our, all of our prayers is we're trying to convince God of something that he's already promised. So God says, you know, in Joel 2.28, he said, I will pour out my spirit. So he didn't say, I might pour out my spirit if you pray enough. He said, I will pour out my spirit. I will is a done deal from God. He didn't say, I'll do it because of you, because of how good you are. He said, I will. In other words, our prayers need to pull on the promises of heaven and we need to pray from the foundation of what God's already done and begin to walk in faith and authority and believe that God actually meant what he said when he said it and he said it. Come on. All right. And it's because the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would be, know the hope to our calling, that you would actually know all that Jesus has purchased for you on the cross. Because who knows, Christus Victor is one of the greatest atonement, like, like that atonement understanding is so important in our lives that we live in the triumph of Jesus from the cross. We're not trying to get triumphant in life. And majority of Christians are trying to get triumphant in their life. Well, I'll, I'll just, God, I'm, not, I'm having a bad day. This isn't happening. This is how, I'm, I'm sick. I'm this. Uh, I've got these problems. And, and what the Lord does, what he's actually done in our life is he's created, the, the, the finished work of the cross, is he's created this thing called grace. And grace has provided everything. And the Lord says, I actually want you to shift your mindset because you're not trying to, you're not like the Israelites trying to get into the promised land. And majority of Christians live as if we're trying to get into the promised land. But he says, you are in the promised land and now you're learning to wield the promises and live in the promises and to actually defeat the devil, right? To keep the devil out of the promised land. Come on. So this will shift your whole language. This will shift. This shifted my life. This shifted my prayer life. This shifted our way, the way I walk through the day because no longer am I trying to get something from God. All of a sudden, I'm learning to commune with him and be a son and I'm actually learning to use what he's already given me. But, you know, like, if, if Hazel walked... Not, not that Hazel's... She's walking, not... not not talking a lot yet, but she says some funny. Back on track, anyway. And um, yeah, your kids can be a reflection of you sometimes. And I look at her and I think, oh man, I'm funny. <laughs> and Hazel, it'd be weird. Like it would be weird if your kid came into the house and they walk in, like you know, and Ange and Sam, your kids come in, right? And they walk in, Mum. I really need dinner tonight. Can I please have some dinner? Please, will you get me some dinner? Please, won't you provide dinner for me tonight? Please, won't, can't, can't you do it? Just, what, just make dinner for me tonight, mum. Please, do it, God, do it. 
Hey, I need it. I need dinner. I'm having a moment there. Like, Anne, like, if I was at the house and that was going on, I'd be like, Anne, I need to, like, what's going on here with your kids? Like, who knows? The kids go, they get in there, they open the fridge, they help themselves to whatever they want, they don't ask permission, they don't do, you know. And, but most Christians, that's how we relate to God. Come on. And then we wonder why we're not walking in authority. We wonder why we're not walking in his forgiveness like we're forgiven. We wonder why we're stuck in these issues in life, but we actually need to learn to be the kid who knows that I already have permission. Do you know the word authority is the Greek word exousia? And it literally means permission. Uh, Let me read. I better not cook the Greek words here because then all the theologians in the room will get in trouble. Power of choice and liberty. Permission, power of choice, and liberty. So when Jesus says, I've given you authority, that means that I have permission from God to walk as who he said I am. That means I have power of choice. There is no situation in life where I'm not a powerful person. Come on. There's too many people in the room and you're bowing to your situation because you don't realize the authority that you carry in Christ. And I'm a, you're, you're a powerful person, you have a choice, and authority means freedom. Come on, who knows that you're free, right? You're free. Free people, free people know how to walk in freedom. It means you're free from something. You're free from the domain of darkness. You're free from the devil's work in your life. You're free from, his, from him filling you with his thoughts. Come on, right? Oh, we're getting it. And so what the disciples did in the natural realm brought a spiritual effect. The disciples went into the town and they just prayed, laid hands on a few people, did, you know, bless Jesus said, just bless people, speak peace over people, do that. I've given you my authority to do it, go do it. And it brought a spiritual response. And the spiritual response was the stronghold over a whole community was torn down. I just think that's incredible. I just think that you're more powerful than you think you are because you have Jesus in you. Oh, but I'm nothing without Jesus. Yeah, that's right. You are nothing without Jesus, but you're not without Jesus. Come on. I mean, we just need to get out. We, we need to be important that we're not letting Christian lingo and church culture dictate what we think and believe. We actually need the, word, we actually need the Bible to. Come on. Like, I'm a Bible-believing person. Right? I need you know, the Word of God. I need the Word of God in my life. You need it in your life. Come on. You need this in your life. You need this to be the dictating. The, 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 you need this to be the standard. You need this to be truth. You need to be more convinced of this than the situation that you're going through. Come on. All right? Oh, man. i got a lot to say and a little time to say it. Um... I remember, uh, I like talking about Hazel, so I'll talk about Hazel. Um, she, she was getting swimming lessons, right? And, uh, and is back in the room. No, nah, so I can tell this story however I want. Good, perfect. <laughs> she won't come back and said, you told that wrong. You, you exaggerated that. And I'm like, no, we don't. We never exaggerate. I don't exaggerate. Don't do that. Don't, you're not allowed to do that. And... Um, <laughs> 
And so, and Hazel's getting swimming lessons. She did really well the first one or two lessons. And I don't, you know, I'm like, whatever. Beck's like, Hazel did so well. I'm like, yeah, awesome. It's good. Like, really cool. And anyway, the second or third one, something happened where she got dunked under the water because, you know, they just throw kids. It's pretty funny. They just throw them around in the water and you survival instincts. All right, cool. And, um, and she got dunked and she swallowed a little bit of water, right? And so, yeah, everyone went, oh, poor Hazel. And, um, and so she swallowed this water, and so the next time she went to her swimming lesson, she goes to do all the same stuff, and she's crying, she's upset, she's like, no, she's like, ah, I'm not doing it, ah, right? And she's fearful, right? She's fearful because of the experience that she had. And uh, I was, it was, so I, it was, it would have been a week later, we're like, well, uh, if you, if you, like, Beck does very well to live with me, because if you live with me, I just don't, we're not copping that stuff. Come on. Like, you need to take, like, I'm being serious now. I, we don't cop, like, you need to take authority over your household, right? You need to take authority over things. I'm not having my kid be fearful of the water. Like, that's just not happening, right? And so I, I, we prayed over Hazel. We go to the next one. She's still a bit fearful, not doing stuff. I went to her with the pool. She's fearful. And then we go to the next one, and I went along. Um, I was on holiday, so I thought I'll be a good husband and go, a good dad. And I went, and I'm there, and I'm speaking words of life over I'm like, I'm like, Hazel, you're awesome. You can do it. Come on. Come on, little one. Get up. You can go. Get under that water. Go doing it. And she goes, and she... and. She's going under the water. She's doing all this stuff. She's like, she's, she, come on, I'll just say it. She's like, she's the, I promise I'd never do this because when you see dads up on stage doing it, it's just corny. But she was the best kid there. She was the best swimmer there. Come on. There you go. There you go. And uh, she was. I kid you not. She was, she was epic. But, <laughs> but too, many, like, too many people, too many Christians, we need to learn to take authority over things in our world. We need to learn to walk in God's authority and use what he has given us in life as believers and stop actually praying for things, trying to get things from God that he's already given us and say, instead of praying for it, say, Lord, teach me to walk in it. Come on. I need to, use to, learn, I need to learn to wield the word of God in my life, right? Because all authority is in his word. If you imagine in a household, the parents, the parents have the final say. That's just the way it is. When you're a kid growing up, you just have to suck it up, right? And it's the parent's word. It's the parent's word has final authority in the household. And some people just need to come in and say, well, look, I've had my friends say this to me during the week. I've had the doctor say this to me. I've had this person say this to me. I've had in my workplace, it looks like this. But when you come home in the household, mum and dad have the final say over your identity and over who you are. And it depends on whose word you believe. And you can carry the word of your friend. You can carry the word of what someone else said and believe that's true. Or you can actually enter under the authority of mum and dad and say, no, I believe that word upon every other word. I give that word authority in my life and not the doctor's word. Not that, but you know, we love, we love doctors, we love all that, but they're focused on the natural realm and they're not focused on the spiritual. Come on. You know, yes, my boss said this. Yes, he said this, but I'm coming under the authority of my dad and his word and what he says goes. Come on. I mean... I just choose to believe what God says is greater than what everything else says. I just choose to believe that, right? And you know what God has never done? He, he's never been unhappy with me 
or he's never rebuked me for believing him too much. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Like God, he's, he's, he's corrected people for a lot of things. He's corrected me a lot of things in life. But he will never correct someone for believing in him too much. You know, how much faith can you have? Well, there's not too much faith. And, and, and so many people, it's like, well, yeah, but I might believe God too. Like, well, if I believe that, well, then I can't believe this. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, if you believe God, you, you, it means that you won't, you won't put your faith in other things. If you believe his word and what he says, you won't put your faith in that. But that's a good thing because you're coming under his lordship and his authority, right? And you can be that kid who comes home from school and believes what all the other kids say about them rather than what their parents say about them. Or you can be the kid who, know, who knows and trusts the voice of their parent and trusts the heart of their parent. Come on. I mean, I just think that, that hit in the room, didn't it? Thank you, Lord. And so most people don't realize the authority that you carry in the spirit. I'm, I'm like, Hazel, you are not being fearful of water. No way. And so I take authority over that. And you, you need to, in your life, like, I've got a whole bunch of notes, but I'm just going. You know, in your life, you need to learn to hate things. Right? And I, I like, I know I'm all about love. I love love. I love God's love. God's kind of love is the best love. But you need to learn to hate things in life. Can I just be real with people? Like, you need to learn to hate evil. We need to learn as believers to hate things in life. Because otherwise you won't carry authority over things because you'll accept them. And too many people accept things as part of their identity. And things that aren't of God, you're accepting it as part of who you are, as part of your identity, rather than hating it and being like, no, actually, that's not the Lord. This is who I am in Christ. God, this is who God is in me, the indwelt spirit of God in me. I'm not accepting that in my life. Come on. You need to learn, like, like I, I learned to hate sin. Like, I hate sin. If there's sin in my life, I hate it. I don't want sin in my life. When I was a young guy growing up, like, like too much, there was too much sin in my life. There just was. And God still loved me. I'm still his child. He still has this amazing call and plan on my life, in my life. But I had to learn to walk in the grace of God and conquer things in my life. I had to learn to conquer sin. Come on. Like, we need, we need to learn to, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a guy in the room and you're struggling with pornography, like, learn to hate pornography. Like, I don't like, like, no, that, I'm, not, I'm not accepting that as a part of who I am. That's not me. That I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. That's not a part of my identity. That's not who God's called me to be. This sin in my life has got to go in Jesus' name. I'm going to confess the word of God over my life and how God sees me. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So those feelings of condemnation have to leave me now in Jesus' name. I'm not under the authority of sin. I'm under the authority of God. So I command sin to go. Come on. Like you need to hate... You, you, like. You need to take authority. That's how you take authority. I'm going to tell you right now. Don't like, I'm just going to be super real. Are people happy if I'm real? Right? I'm just going to go after it. Because too many, this was my, like, too many young, young guys, young girls to struggle, with, old guys, old, I won't rule anyone out, struggle with pornography. And the main prayer is, oh God, I'm so sorry. 
And it's a genuine prayer. I'm not like, this is a genuine prayer. Like it's coming from a genuine heart. God, I'm so sorry I did that. I feel so bad. I shouldn't have done it. Oh, like just help me. Help me get over this thing. That is not a prayer of authority over sin. That's a genuine heartfelt prayer. But that is not a prayer of authority as a victor as who you are in Christ Jesus. The prayer should be, Lord, I'm sorry. That was stupid. That's not who I am though. That's not who I am. I'm forgiven. I'm set free from sin. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Sin has no reign in my life anymore. So I command it to leave my life now. Devil, I command you to get out of my life. I, command, I, I, I cancel the assignment of those thoughts you're sending against me. I command them to go. I confess truth in my life. All right. Amen or... Amen. Oh, no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, no, this is a tough word. Ugh. Like, we need to learn to hate sickness. Right? We need to learn to hate sickness. Because otherwise you'll accept it. Beck, Beck said something really good to me the other day. Remember I said at the start, like the, the Lord will speak through your wife. And... She said, Dean, like, I was, I was just, I was having a day. I was like, I'm over this, this is annoying me. Like, I was, it was, it was, I was just saying to Beck, this is really frustrating. Like, this is, this is annoying. And, uh, and she said to me, yeah, well, Dean, you've got a defeatist mindset. And I was like, that's not very nice. Because <laughs> I was having a pity party, right? And when you're having a pity party, you want people to sympathize with you. I want Andrew, I want to call Andrew when I'm having a pity party and I want him to say, I know, Dean, it's so hard, isn't it? Oh, you poor thing. It's really challenging. It's so difficult. Do you want me to come over and have a coffee with you? I experienced that too and it's really challenging. Let's sing Go by the fire together. Not like, anyway, no, get over it. Get over it. And I understand that there is need for empathy and there is need for sympathy. And I'm not downplaying that. I'm just having a bit of fun. But the reality is, is that's where most Christians are at. Right? And, and I take the loving conviction. This is Beck speaking through me. If you have a problem with it, speak to her after the service. And she'll have all these people coming to her and be like, what the heck's going on? But it's, just, it's like, it's so true. I had a defeatist mindset. Like I love the term she used. You, you are not thinking according to the word of God. You are not thinking to what your father says. You are not thinking to the authority that you have in Christ according to the mind of Christ. You're just thinking man's thoughts, man's wisdom. I don't want to be thinking that. I'm not called to think just like a man because I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. My life is hidden in Christ. The mind of Christ is my inheritance. I live with a sound mind. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's people in the room, and there's a spirit of fear coming against your life, and you need to get that scripture, take up your authority, and command that spirit of fear to go. Come on. Because there's situations in our life, the greatest way the devil will empower you, just as Goliath did to the Israelites. You know what Goliath did? He stood there for 40 days, to, just screaming at the Israelites, I dare you to come and fight me. 
Come on. He stood there for 40 days intimidating the Israelites in 1 Samuel 16. And David comes along, right? A whole nation is paralyzed. This is God's people. They've seen the red, they've seen the sea open, the whole nation delivered. Joshua has taken them into the promised land. Do you know they've conquered giants before? They've conquered nations way bigger than them. And then they come up against Goliath and the Philistines and all of a sudden a spirit of fear comes against their life and they're paralyzed from walking in their authority. Do you know, fear will always disable your authority in life. You need to hate fear. Like, you need to hate it. You need to hate fear that comes against you. Like, there's healthy fear. Like, I don't swim in, I don't go surfing. Because you just got to be careful of sharks. Like, that's a healthy fear, right? I'm okay with that. Like, you can have a fear, like, that's okay. That's all good. <laughs> but, you know, like, if I'm driving, yeah, you're, <laughs> that's just surfing up. Anyone who wants to break fear of their life, Andrew's taking a crew out surfing after church. <laughs> uh, someone might take that literally, Andrew. Just be careful, mate. Um, we need a break. Like, so Goliath, fear and intimidation, the main way the devil will try to disempower your authority is that he'll come against you screaming and yelling, look how big I am, look how hard this situation is, look at this problem in your life, look at this region, it'll never change, God's so big and bad, look at the world, it's so evil, it's so terrible, look how bad this is, things are never going to change. That's exactly the spirit that Goliath came in. But Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the devil. In other words, they were not taking their authority in the spirit realm over fear. Because it was only fear that was disempowering the Israelites. David comes along one man and says, actually, I know who God is, guys. Like, like remember all the miracles God has done for us in the past? God hasn't changed. You know, there's one thing you can expect from God. He's so good, he's consistent, he's unwavering, and he never changes. You may, you, your emotions may change, you may be like, oh, I'm having a bad day, a tough day, all this. You can rely on God, he's consistent, he's unwavering, God's nature never changes. You can rely on him, he's a good father. Come on. And so David comes in and he says, well, who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he? Like, how dare he defy the armies of the living God? Why? Because he's a man who knew authority. He's a man who knew that we live under the lordship of God. And I'm not going to have this thing come against my life and try to disempower me and who God's called me to be. And it was one man who delivered a whole nation, right? One man did that because he realized who his God is. One man did it because he chose to believe the word of the Lord over what the natural realm said. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God created Adam. And when he created him, Adam's walking along and he gives Adam authority over every beast, over every animal, over every living thing. God says, I've given this all to you. And God then brings every animal, every single living thing before Adam and Adam names it. There would have been some big things, man. Like if you go, go to Africa, there's some big animals. 
Like they carry a lot of power. Like man, like anyway. But Adam had authority over them by God. God gave him authority. He said, you name them because you're ruling over these things. You carry authority, right? And so Adam and Eve, you imagine them walking in the garden. They carry all authority from the Lord. They've named everything. It's a really good thing to understand in life that if you don't name something, you won't have authority over it. You know, you can go through situations in your life and if you don't go back and redefine that and name it according to what God says, you won't have authority over it. So people can go through trauma. People can, and I'm not downgrading any of this stuff, people can go through all these problems and troubles in their life and you actually never let God define it but only you have defined it, and then it will carry authority in your life. Because God gave authority for Adam to name everything. So it's really important in our lives that we actually learn to define what we're going through, to define the, our future according to what God says, otherwise you will not carry authority over it. Is that making sense? And so Adam and Eve are walking in the garden. How does the devil... Get Adam and Eve to give up their authority through deception and lies. Psalm 100 115 says that the, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to man. Right? The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. So that means man was created with all authority upon the earth, right? Satan deceived Adam and Eve. He brought a lie to them, right? Or a half-truth, whatever you want to call it. And they gave over their authority to the devil. This is a... This could stump people in the room. But who created the devil? God created the angel Lucifer. God didn't create the devil. In Ezekiel 28, it says that the devil was fallen, was cast out of heaven because of pride in his heart. It says that iniquity was found within him. So God created Lucifer, the angel, and then he was cast out of heaven because pride was found in him after however long, I don't know. He's cast down to the earth and then man gives his authority to the devil through the devil's lies and deception. So what authority does the devil have upon the earth? I want you to think about that. The devil uses the authority of fallen man. The devil uses the authority of fallen man upon the earth because who knows that, that there's different levels of authority. There is man's authority and then there's God's authority. Thank the Lord that we live in God's authority. But if you're not in Christ, you're not under God's authority and the devil will use that authority to get his things done on the earth. So fallen man still has authority. It's really important to understand. 
And the devil will always use that because the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. And now what he's actually done is he's redeemed a people for himself. Jesus came back not just to deal with sin, but to deal with the authority issue because just as the Israelites were in Egypt stuck under Pharaoh, so humanity was stuck under the authority of the devil and Jesus had to come and snatch humanity out and we now live in the triumph of Jesus. You are a gateway for the authority of God to now flow through. All right. So Satan, he'll always function through lies and deception. He'll always twist the natural realm. He works from the outside in. That's why God placed himself in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. His kingdom is within you. The Holy Spirit is within you because God works from the inside out. And everything he's placed in you that he's given you, he's now teaching you to walk in it and to actually live it out. Right? Because one third of you is full of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, soul and body. That means one third of you is full of the Holy Ghost, is full of God. How much of God can you have? Well, it just says it's full of God. That's a lot of God in you, right? That's a lot of God. And the devil will always work from the outside in like Goliath to try and disempower what God has placed on the inside of you. And some people need to be like the Israelites when you're coming up against the walls of Jericho, realize who your God is and actually just shout in triumph and say, this is the word of the Lord in my situation, not this problem. Right? So Jesus, when he came in Luke 4, that he goes out into the wilderness, right? So in Luke chapter 4, he gets led out into the wilderness to defeat the devil. I, I truly believe that God's just like, hey, I want you to go out here to defeat the devil. Like, these problems are coming, but I'm going to teach you to walk in authority. And the reason, see, you know, Satan said to him, I can give you all these kingdoms. Uh, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Do you know what that means? It means that all the kingdoms of the world belong to the devil because of, the, because of Adam and Eve, how they gave their authority to him. And the reason Jesus came, so it's not just to deal with sin, it was to deal with the authority issue upon the earth. Because he wants a people who will learn to walk in his authority in the spirit realm, who learns how to take ground for God, how to advance the Garden of Eden, how to occupy the promised land. Right? You know, the kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. So we're not just sitting here and trying to get by until God comes. We're actually here advancing the kingdom. You, you know that things aren't going to get worse and worse and worse? Because the kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. The, the kingdoms of this world are not the kingdoms of the devil anymore. They're the kingdoms of God. Because when Jesus came, he took back authority and he now rules in heaven and on earth. And Ephesians 1 says he is now head of his church, which is the body, and he fills his church with himself and now he fills all things. Come on. Like we need a bigger picture of God. All right. It's good. People, people are getting tired. That's all good. It means I'm preaching well. We need a bigger picture. Some like... Let me read a scripture and that'll help. Mark 11, verse 12. If you've got your Bible, turn there. Mark 11, verse 12. We're almost, this is like, this is, this is, we're almost there. 
The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find it, find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. If you go down to verse 20, this is the same story. Jesus has gone into the temple. He's decided to have a bit of fun in there and then come back out. Anyone who was in Sunday school knows what I'm talking about. Unless you didn't learn the story where Jesus made a whip and drove people out. You good? You still with me? All right. Okay. (laughs) Just making sure you're alive. Cool. In the morning as they went along, verse 20, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Do you notice that? That Jesus, he spoke to this fig tree, nothing happened. This is really important to understand. Nothing happened when he spoke to the fig tree. And everyone's like, man, I'm disappointed in that. Most people when they pray, like we, we have a go for a week, six months, you know, 10 months, a year. Oh, now, Dean, you're going too long. Like, when's too long? I don't know. But most people, when they pray, I haven't seen the results. I haven't seen the evidence. I haven't seen anything happen. It's not happening for me. But Jesus spoke the word and nothing happened. Right? Really important to understand. Our lives are never dictated by the natural realm, by what we see. But, like, I'm just going to get really simple. We are people of faith. Your faith means you live by what you do not see, right? Faith means you live by the eye of your heart, which is being awakened to the reality of God and who He is and His Word in your life, all right? That's faith. Come on. So, like, there's times in my life where I'm walking along and I'm getting a bit disappointed. Things aren't happening. Things aren't happening. Oh, hang on. This isn't faith. So I need to take authority over that, right? I'm getting really practical here. Oh man, I've been believing for a house for a long time. Lord, times are tough. The economy is really bad, but I need a home for my family. But it's getting harder, it's getting harder. Interest rates are going up, nothing's happening. Yeah, well, it's just too hard to get a house in this generation. It's just too hard for that stuff to happen. Well, I'm just going to have to do this for the rest of my life. You need to take authority over that. You need to take authority over it because that is not God's thoughts. Come on. That is not who your God is. That is not what he says. And so when you find yourself thinking that way, take authority over it. Get the words of your daddy, of your God. You know, like any Baptist in the room would just walk out because I just said, Daddy, sorry about that. I apologize to all the Baptists in the room. (laughs) Right? You need to get his words and say, actually, I'm a person of faith. And maybe Proverbs, maybe Proverbs 18 is right. Maybe death or life is in the power of the tongue. Maybe my life is a gateway for the authority of God to, throw, to flow through. Maybe God cares about my daily thoughts. Maybe God cares about what I'm saying and thinking about a situation and a problem. And maybe if I'm thinking negatively and bad about it, maybe that's actually not God. Maybe that's the devil's language and a spirit of unbelief. And maybe I need to take authority over it and begin to actually say, Holy Spirit, teach me to walk in faith. Teach me to walk in authority. Teach me to live according to your word to get the word of God into my heart and live by it. I mean, is that too radical for people? And so in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, 
Rabbi, look, the fig tree you you have cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not... So I just want to put it out there. You have amazing potential in God. Like you have incredible potential. You know, some like you, you can say this is parabolic when he talks about the mountain. You can say whatever you know. The, the New Testament example of prayer is that James gives us is that that you, you, that Elijah was a righteous person. That our prayers are like Elijah, and he prayed, and, and the heavens shut, and it didn't rain, and the heavens opened, and it rained when he prayed. So I'm just saying in the room for everyone bored in the room, go home and pray because you've got amazing potential in prayer. Come on, all right, like I, I'm. I love you, but there's, there is, honestly, there is spiritual apathy that's going to rip off people's lives. And I heard the Lord say this morning that there are people in the room and you are too apathetic. You are, you are, and you're actually tired throughout the day, right? And, and whether you want to call this a word of knowledge, whatever. But you are tired throughout the day. You are yawning all the time. And it's actually, the problem is spiritual apathy in your life. And you need to learn to take authority in your world. Come on. Like, I'm serious. Because when you live according to the Word of God, He puts a vision in your heart and you learn to live from that vision. Right? And see, what God actually does is He says, This is my Word. So, I shall supply all of, uh, my God shall supply all of my needs. Right? So, I get that Word in my life. And then what God does is He causes that word to create a vision in my heart. So the call of God of my life, if you know this is the call of God of my life, he gets that word and he creates a vision in your heart and he gives you a prayer to pray into that vision. And then he places a desire in you so that you can walk in that daily. Right? So God creates a vision in your heart through his word. So it might be like, you know, in, this is who you called me to be. This is in 10 years' time, this is what you're going to be doing, or this is going to happen. You know, super practical for people. If you're struggling with an illness today, you need to let the Word of God create a vision in your heart that you're well. You need to see yourself as healthy and whole. I'm being, like, I'm being serious. How much, how much is too much faith? I'll ask that question. How much is too much faith? So uh, God creates that vision in my heart, and then He gives me a prayer so I can pray into that. And then he gives me a desire so that I can learn to walk in that daily so that I can see that unfold in my life. Because who knows that when Jesus spoke the word, it hit the roots and not the leaves and not the tree. It hit the roots of the tree. You couldn't see its effect immediately. And the majority of people stop in prayer and stop believing and stop declaring God's word in their life because you're not seeing the result. Right? And Jesus said this, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. Most of us live our lives by saying, Whatever, Lord, whatever I ask for in prayer, if I see it, I'll believe it. And Jesus says, this is who I've called you to be. This is the authority you get to walk in. 
It's mountain-moving authority. It's a big capacity, right? Big capacity. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it first, and then it will be given to you. In other words, believe that when you've prayed the prayer, when you've declared God's word in your life, that it's hit the root of the tree and it's at work. That's the example that Jesus sets. That the word of God that you've prayed has hit the roots of that tree and even though you can't see it, it is at work in your life. Come on. Remember, you've got you to gotta hate things in the room. Like we we want to be lovey-dovey, but you've got to hate stuff. You've got to hate the devil. You've got to hate the devil. I hate the devil. I hate the fact that, that, there, that there, is, there is child slavery. I hate that. I hate that. I hate the fact that there is a youth suicide problem at the moment in our area. I hate that. I don't like that. Like, and I'm going to pray against that. Like, who's with me? Like, who's with me in declaring the word of the Lord over our region? I hate the fact that there is sickness in my family. I hate that. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that, my, I don't want that to be the story of my family. I don't want that to be the story of schools, that, that youth are getting so impacted by, by culture, social media, depression, anxiety. I don't want that to be the story of the region that we're living in. I want the story to be that our region is blessed, that young people are set free by the word of the Lord, that, oh, that, church, that the church is amazing. I want people to look at the church and be like, that church, is there something about them because they're releasing the blessing of God to people. I want it to be like Joseph, who's, right, who's in the palace, and people just see the Lord on him. Right? People just saw the favor of God on Joseph. I'm okay to believe for that. Like, you know, you're the king's kid. It's okay for you to believe that God's going to give me favor in life to prosper in this thing that I do. Come on. Like, that's okay. You don't need to convince God. Come on. We don't need to convince God that, yes, I can prosper in my finances. Right? Right? Yes, there's people who have taken prosperity and twisted it, but God wants me to do well, spirit, soul, and body. Right? He's a good father. Okay. All right. That hit the room. <laughs> All right. I'm just, you see what I'm trying to do? All I'm trying to do this morning is just to bring people back to the simplicity of the gospel, to the simplicity of the finished work of the cross, and say, this is what God says. This is who he is. God's consistent. He loves you. This is his word. And it actually, he's teaching me how to live from the spirit and not live from the natural realm. Because who knows that I walk with the Holy Spirit. Like we are a people who live according to the Holy Spirit and his word. And it's important in my life to get the word of God and let the spirit and word of God be married in my heart. That's really important. Amen. Nehemiah has a problem. Big wall to build, big city, uh, you know, like all this stuff, all these problems going on. He goes along, yeah, let's build a wall. Like, who knows, that's a big assignment to take on. And when, and when the enemy comes, he's like, hey, to the workers, hold, hold a sword in your one hand and a tool in the other hand, right? In other words, he gave the authority to the workers to say, you have authority to bless and you have authority to slay the devil. Come on. 
You have authority to bless and you have authority to take out the enemy, right? And so we need to learn to walk. Like the workers had to learn to work with a tool in one hand and a sword in the other. I mean, I've never, I've held a tool before. Uh, you know, what do you call those things? Hammers, maybe? Oh, anyway, it's a hammer, screw, whatever. Left-handed screwdriver in the room, anyone? And um, no, anyone who was not a tradie did not get that. Um, like, we need to learn to hold a tool in one hand, the blessing of the Lord in one hand, and the sword of the Lord in the other hand. You need to learn to carry the sword of the justice of the Lord in one hand. You need, we need, we're learning to walk in that daily according to his word. To say, God, this is, this is the authority that you've given me in life. This is what you've called me to walk in, right? And so, in Matthew, in Matthew 8, there's a centurion, and he's like, my servant's sick, and he comes to Jesus, but he understands authority, right? This is really important to understand. Let, I'll finish on this. Let's stand. He understands authority, right? And he comes to Jesus and, and, he says, and he says to Jesus, don't actually bother about going to the place and laying hands on my servant. He says, if you speak the word, it will happen, right? He says, if you speak that word, it will happen. And Jesus marveled at his faith. Remember, you can't... You can't God's never going to correct you for believing him too much. Jesus marveled at his faith and he went home and his servant was healed. Why? Because he understood authority. He understood that Jesus carries all authority in the realm of the spirit, that this sickness is not from God, it's from the devil. And so if you say the word, my servant will be healed, right? So Jesus then goes and says, okay, I die. I rise again, I've defeated the devil, now I've given all this authority to you. Right? How much authority has been given to you? All authority. Okay? So, we're always saying to the Lord is teach us how to walk in authority. Teach us how to walk in authority, God. If I'm... You know, Abraham, Abraham said he, he believed God above all faith. He didn't let unbelief come into his heart. But he believed God. He had a promise from the Lord for a child. He did not let his faith waver, but he came, became fully persuaded that God could do what he promised, that God would fulfill it, right? And sometimes we need to just begin to hate things, get a tenacious faith, and begin to be like, hey, like God, you're the God of Abraham. The, th the same thing you did in Abraham's life, that's my testimony too. And I can walk in that. I can live in that. And so we need to learn, say, Lord, Teach us authority. Teach me how to walk in authority. It's not a hard thing. I think people, I think some people in the room, I think you, you're just full of some disappointment. And God, he's a good father. Like, he's just going to teach you to walk in authority and enjoy. He really is. Like, this, I think some people think that, oh, to walk in authority, you need to pray really Pentecostal prayers like Dean. And you need to be really loud. And you really just need to work up a sweat for an hour. No. To walk in authority, you just, you, like, it's, you, just, just be who you are, know what the Word of God says, and actually begin to believe it and declare it over your situation. But speak it out. Speak it out. Begin to declare it into your life. Begin to realize that there's a whole spirit world and they're actually hearing my voice. And that's not weird, that's biblical. 
Like that's the Bible, right? So let's pray. I just believe that as we pray, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just going soft and gentle because I think it's going to help people. But I just believe that as we pray, that the Lord's just going to, He's going to speak to you in His still small voice. And He's just going to show you things in your life. He's just going to reveal things to you and be like, hey, I'm going to teach you to take authority over that. I'm gonna, this is what my word, this is what my promise says over that situation. Can we do that? Let's pray together. If you, if you pray in the Spirit, you can do that. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you that we're in your household. I thank you that we're a part of your household. I thank you that, that we, we live under your, your leadership, under your rulership, under your authority, under your lordship. That we're a part of the king's kingdom. Father, I thank you that grace has provided all of our needs. I thank you that you're teaching us in the room. You're teaching us how to live by faith, how to live by faith that responds to grace. Father, I thank you that your joy is piercing people's hearts this morning. That God, that those who are, there's, there's people in the room and and you've been feeling a certain way for a long time and those feelings are because of things you, like the natural circumstances you're going through. And the Lord, the Lord is just going he's, he's just going to pierce your heart with joy this morning. Just let the joy of the Lord come into your heart. Just let the authority of God overwhelm your inner world this morning. God, I thank you for your ability. Father, I thank you for your authority. Father, I pray right now, the Ephesians 1 prayer, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know the hope to which we are called to, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest on our hearts. Lord, I pray for a language shift for people. There's people in the room and you need to shift your language. You need to shift the way you're speaking about things in your life. You need to shift the way that you're speaking about that problem. There's people in the room and the Lord's shifting your sight, your vision. That God's actually giving vision for your future. I just speak to that person right now. If that's just you, I want you to put your hands up. One hand's fine. <laughs> but there's someone in the room and God, you've actually, when you look at your future, you, you struggle to have vision for your future. You struggle to look at your future and be like, this is what God wants to do. This is what God's going to do. And I'm just, if that's you, put your hand up and I just release the blessing of the Lord over you. I just release the blessing of God upon your mind, upon your thought life. I declare over you in Jesus' name that there is a shift in your vision coming. Just as God came to Jeremiah and he said, what do you see, Jeremiah? God's coming to you today. He's saying, what do you see? He's lovingly removing lies and he's placing truth in your heart. And I command that foreboding spirit to come off your life. You, you believe a lie long enough and, and the demonic can come and just, just, just reinforce it. And it's nothing weird, it's just what happens. But I just break that off you now. Come on church, I know, I know, it's, I know I've been going a bit long, but come on, let's just pray in the spirit for these people. Let's just 